Kurt Fernley, Paralympian, and I'm coming to you from a Wabakal country. And I'm Paralympian Riley Bat, and I'm broadcasting from Gubby Gubby Land. This is You Little Ripper, the place where we celebrate all things para-sport. Uh, this year, above all years, is a qualifying year for Paris 2024, uh, and we're going to touch base with one of our favourite athletes, not Riley Bat, our other favourite athlete, <laughs> to talk about his process going through to 2024. But Riley, to you, how are the Steelers going with their qualification period? Why am I not the favourite athlete to talk about the qualification, Kurt? Look, honestly, you see Curtis McGrath. Oops, spoiler, we get him on the show. You see Curtis McGrath, um, and everybody, you know what, he's he's yeah. pretty good on the eye. <laughs> yeah, I understand, mate. I, I do have a little bit of a secret man crush on him, but just don't tell him, please, all right? So I understand, I understand. Mate, for the, for the Steelers, uh, the qualifying process, um, it's a tough one, to be honest. So World Championships uh, was last year for us. And, you know, we took out the World Championship. So, you know, that was so last year, though. We've got to move on now and move forward. Um, so they just changed the rules on us. Usually when you win World Championships, you get an automatic qualification into the Paralympic Games two years later. But uh, for us, they decided to change the rules, of course. So we actually have to qualify through our Oceania Zone Championships. And to do that, we actually have to win the zone championships. And we've got a really tough pool, tough uh, Oceania championships with Japan as well. So I think it's going to be an absolute, um, you know, ripper game. It's going to be a war out there between us and Japan. And, you know, I think we're both pretty nervous about it because we haven't played at that level since world championships. So uh, really hoping we can knock them off and get that first place. But, you know, if the if it doesn't if it doesn't work at Oceana's, then um, we would have to go through what's called a wildcard tournament where the first three or four positions then will make it through to the game. So uh, you could take that as a as a positive where you get more game, international game time. So uh, but let's just do it the easy way and try to beat uh, Japan at the end of June in Tokyo on their home soil. Mate, how do you find that process of when you do become world champion, putting it to the side, once it's done, you almost need to forget it or uh, I, I kind of needed to. Like I, as an athlete, I needed to, I needed to, last race was last race. What can I take out of it to win the next one? But other people ride on the, the, the win from last time because they want to be the front runner. How do you and the Steelers position the success of last year? I think it's a really tricky one, mate. Um, I think I've changed my my motive over many, many years where I sort of used to dwell on that, you know, that, yep, we won last year or the year before, we're the Paralympic champions, we're the world champions. And I think it still sticks in my head and you have that confidence and that belief from that. But you also want to take a step back as well and forget that result in a way. You obviously want to celebrate it, um, but you want to forget that result in a way because the next year, teams change, um, completely change. And you want to sort of sit back and don't think you're the best. You want to think that another team's almost the best. Or this is how I do it mentally anyway, because I don't want to be complacent in first. I want to build and get better and better and better. So I look at these other teams and pick parts of their them where I want to improve and and that makes uh, myself and our team a, a complete unit. So never sit there and think, you know, the job is done and you're going to get an easy, you know, road into the Paralympics or the World Championships. Just take a step back, look at what you can improve and become a better unit as a whole. 
Um, as always, the You Little Ripper audience, we love the Steelers, but uh, somebody else who we love is my You Little Ripper moment. Another another person is Benny Tudhope. Uh, we speak about, and I, I've said this a thousand times, so for the listener, I'm sure that you've, you've, you've heard me say this so many times, but the Paralympic movement is in Benny Tudhope's soul. So when we see success for Benny Tudhope, we all feel it, we all love it, we know how much it means to him. Uh, he is currently now, after claiming the Paris snowboard, uh, a, a, a world championships in Cortina. He, he he got another gold medal, and you see the joy on him face when he cements himself as number one in the world again. Uh, it is so beautiful to watch. So seeing that this week, seeing the joy of him, and knowing uh, uh, the the family as well, Benny Tudhope's family, friends of the pod. Um, you, you you just get to enjoy it on his behalf and you get a bit of that reflected kind of joy and glory. So a shout out, you little ripper, to Benny Tutto for once again proving what an incredible athlete he is, legend of the Paralympic movement. Uh, Riley Bat, what's your you little ripper moment? I actually feel that we almost need to change the the name of this podcast from You Little Rupert to the Benny Tutto <laughs> podcast because the amount of times we talk about him on this podcast Seriously, I'd like to know how big his head gets when he listens to his podcast back. Uh, he's a fantastic bloke, Kurt, and um, I think that's a fantastic you little ripper moment there. And congratulations to you, Benny Tudhope. You are absolutely killing it. My you little ripper moment is going to go to Ellie Cole, friend of the pod. I've never done that. There you go. I've done it, Kurt. <laughs> Ellie Cole has been chosen to lead Australia, the Australian youth team um, in the Caribbean in 2023 at the 2023 Commonwealth Games, uh, the youth games. So, Kurt, what do you think of this? This is just an amazing thing for me, I think, to see a Paralympian step into the Commonwealth Games in this kind of role. To be general manager, to be take a leadership role within the administration of the team, it's just another step uh, towards this really inclusive environment that the Commonwealth Games is creating. Uh, there have been uh, uh, 30 plus gold medals that have been allocated to the Paralympic movement or to para-athletes within the Commonwealth Games movement. Ellie has been one of them. I had the privilege of of um, uh, participating in a couple of Commonwealth Games as well. Uh, but to see Paralympic athletes take uh, take a leadership role within the administration just embeds this real shift in the Commonwealth Games movement. And, mate, I agree. That's another you little ripper moment. Ellie Cole, uh, she will make an incredible contribution to sport after her leaving the pool. And you know what? I think as much of a contribution as what she made in the pool, being our, our most successful para-dolphin, ever, uh, but it's great to see that transition straight across into the administration of sport. Uh, Riley Bat, what's your best of the rest moment? My best of the rest this week is, it's it's something a bit special to me, and I don't like to talk about wheelchair rugby all the time, Kurt, but I think this one deserves it, and it's, um, so two Australian world championship uh, champions who actually represent Australia with us in the mixed team last year have been selected um, in the, the first ever Wheelchair Rugby Women's World Cup it was hosted in Paris recently. Uh, so two current world champions and an up-and-comer. Um, three of those females went over to Paris, competing in the first ever World Cup for females, and they absolutely killed it. And I think this is huge in the world of wheelchair rugby. That's been dominated so much by male athletes since I've been involved, you know, for over 20 years. And I'm absolutely loving seeing these females come in the mix. And I'll tell you what, they, they definitely you know, keep us on our toes. Um, you know, you look at Shay Graham, who's in the Australian wheelchair rugby team. She is just killing at the moment. And she actually, yeah, she uh, she takes us to us blokes and she 
she's got more. I think she's got more heart than us as well. So um, <laughs> I loved. I loved watching. Um, I think there's about six to seven teams over there in Paris competing. There's about forty three female athletes um and it's just a step in the right direction and who knows we might have a male and female wheelchair rugby um event soon that'd be awesome to see matt it's great to see the australian uh, athletes making another impact in a in a in in forging or pushing forward the australian paralympic name and and the paralympic sport in general uh my best of the rest is another incredible uh uh, woman athlete being uh, madison de rosario uh a third place in Tokyo Marathon. Tokyo can be a really challenging uh, uh, race. There is a, the, the 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 way that the race unfolds has a pretty steep downhill at the start, so you've got to stay in contact, and it's and it's pretty hard because some of these uh, Japanese athletes have wheelchairs that are incredibly aerodynamic. So there can be. I remember seeing athletes go ten or fifteen kilometers an hour quicker than what I would in the first five uh, kilometers of this event. Uh, but matter and she's well and truly cementing herself again as uh, as as a leader in the Paralympic movement and a third place in Tokyo Marathon, just continuing to to build build the legend, the myth, the the the, the wheelchair racer that we all know and love. And uh, a shout out to to Madison De Rosario. Um, Kurt, she's we- also. I'm just gonna gonna chime in a little bit there. Uh, I noticed I went to the Oz Day 10K earlier this year, obviously in Australia Day, and um. And Maddie De Rosario has got this new U Butte um, race chair that was obviously uh, set up, and um, it was set up in a in a wind tunnel. So she told me that it's a completely different chair for her, and it's something she's trying to get used to. So I guess some of these races that you might see the next couple of months, she still could be getting used to this chair. She could be still setting it up. But I think the long run is that yeah, it's going to be more aerodynamic. It's going to be more um, sturdy. You obviously know that the chairs, mate. You've raced them once or twice before, but um, that she she told me she loves a chair. She's just got to get used to it. So I know what it's like in a wheelchair rugby chair. So small little one percent um, increments that you make. We're like F one drivers in a way. We love those small little increments. And people might think that's absolutely silly that you change, you know, something a couple of mil, but it makes a world of difference. Just your rake of your chair, your pushing style, anything like that. Oh, mate, for sure. Uh, it's it, that's one real difference between the Paralympic movement and and the non-disabled sporting community is we don't buy an off-the-shelf pair of shoes and start training and racing the next day. It can take a year or two before you're able to really adjust to a new piece of equipment, and that piece of equipment needs to be a part of you. Like it needs to feel like it is a continuation of your body, and you're not just feel, want to feel good in that chair. You need to find a space where you feel perfect in that chair, and it. it is about adding a layer of tape at a time because those one millimeter changes they make a big difference when you're trying to either climb up a hill at the end of a marathon or you're trying to get in as aerodynamic position as you possibly can so uh, i'm excited to see what that chair will do um it may take another couple of races but in the long term i'm with you and and madison i think it'll make a really big difference come Paris in 2024. Um, we 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 did get a spoiler early on uh, that we are about to uh, we're we're about to interview Riley's man crush. Man crush time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, this guy Curtis McGrath. He has uh, just qualified for his eighth Australian paddle team. He's a fantastic. Uh, bloke. He's also got a new book out that we will touch on in a minute. Uh, but Curtis McGrath, welcome to you, little ripper. Thanks. Cheers for having me. Mate, how are you going? You're you, you just now uh, 18 months out from the Paralympic Games in uh, 2024. You've been selected for your eighth Australian para canoe team. 
How are you feeling? Yeah, pretty good. Um, it's not. It's really exciting to be back on the team and back in amongst the uh, the elite sports sort of environment. So, um, as well as the sore body and a bit of tiredness, but uh, it's it's been nice to be back involved with it all and um, feeling sort of motivated after recharging. So, um, yeah, looking forward to the next sort of eighteen months. You're talking about recharging, Kurt. Um, sorry, I need to say Curtis because we've got a Kurt on here. Curtis, sorry, guys. <laughs> so it's always Curtis now. But you, you talked about, you know, recharging. You took a fair bit of time off after Tokyo that you needed. Um, why did you need that? Yeah, I, um, I actually regretted not taking some time off after Rio. And um, and that was because I saw heaps of opportunities to, to do other things, Um uh, you know, do some speaking, some, you know, other engagement opportunities. Um, and when I sort of realised that I'd made that mistake, it was obviously too late and we're sort of in the cycle towards the Tokyo Games and, you know, no one could have predicted the the extra year that we were given. So I was definitely tired and, and feeling in need of a break um, after the Tokyo Games. I was very sort of... Um, I'd had enough in a way. It was sort of like this feeling of like, do I actually want to do that again? Um, and that was that was sort of like this feeling of not really knowing what to do, but maybe I should just do it again anyway. And but then I realised that no, nah, I did need a break. And you know, we as athletes, it's sort of a, a selfish endeavour in our own right for our families and friends. So you know, committing to the training and the travel and and the, the lack of sort of connection towards your family. So having that opportunity to stay at home um, and, and enjoy other things like, you know, going on, on some travel and doing some speaking and, and whatnot. But, um, yeah, it, it was nice to have that time, but also using that to to feel a little bit of that hunger to get back on the horse and, and um, you yeah, know, settle up for the, uh, the, uh, the Paris cycle. Matt, I always used to think that um, to be a Paralympic athlete, balance doesn't happen in, uh, it may not happen in a period of six months or even 12 months, but it's about finding a balance that works over a four-year period. Um, so I, I always found a little bit of time to disappear and create those uh, long-lasting passions, you know, that run alongside it. Uh, but but there was always a price that was paid on the other side of that <laughs> because when you get back into sport, that pain, that 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 trench that you kind of live in on a day-to-day basis, training where your body feels like it's ripped apart, getting back to that space was just so hard. How has your body responded to get back into the into the zone? Um, yeah, it's been a gradual and slow process. I guess the um, the the work that's required is quite daunting. Um, there's lots of sort of moments when you're like, oh, do I actually want to do this? So, am I actually going down the right path in terms of my own enjoyment? Like when you are getting to experience everything for a new, uh, the first time, and obviously, um, you know, standing on top of a podium is such a desirable thing. And I'm so fortunate enough, and, and you guys as well, to to have that opportunity fulfilled um you know we've, we've been to the top and 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 sat there and and or stood there or whatever and felt that that success and that achievement is is done so finding something that draws you back into it and pushes you on a day-to-day basis is is good and we can talk about what that is later on but having that that mountain of work ahead of me is is daunting but i think for myself having the time away from the sport is sort of reinvigorated that 
desire to really enjoy what I'm doing and having the opportunities to get out and be an active person. And, you know, I did not much in my year off, but I did a little bit um, enough to keep, you know, the, the weight under a hundred kilos and um <laughs> and uh feeling you know still still capable of doing physical activity um but yeah the, the the training ahead is is about to ramp up like we've had some pretty heavy training but it's all been around uh fit, for, for myself specifically around fitness and getting fit again and i did a session yesterday it was a lactate session i just felt like i could have stepped that up even more and been more put in put myself more in the locker and the hurt locker um and i had a quick chat to the physiologist and she goes you might as well throw yourself in there now it's, it's the right time to do it after nationals obviously um so yeah there's there's a, a bit of a bit of sort of strategy around the approaching the the, the um the, the path ahead Curtis, you talked about um you know achieving sort of your goals you know obviously um winning multiple gold medals and having an outstanding campaign at tokyo um Look, I've been through the same sort of situation where, you know, you've sought after your goals for so many years and you achieved those goals and then you achieved your next goals and you, you, you're trying to sort of, I guess, you know, you're representing your country. At the end of the day, is a fantastic thing, but you've done what you want to achieve and you're sort of scraping at the bottom of the barrel to find that that motivation and and something to fuel you and drive you next. And you just sort of talked about it then. I want to know what drives Curtis McGrath to achieve you know, more success at the uh, Paris 2024 games? I'm actually excited by the challenge of the new athletes that are coming in from international um, in the international arena. Like, uh, there is some really great talent coming through here in Australia, but there's still a little bit of time there for them to develop into um, you know, podium potential athletes. And it's great to see that there's a bit of growth there and everything. Um, overseas, there's a new athlete. I've actually raced him before, but unfortunately he mistimed his performance to get into the Tokyo team and um missed the opportunity there so he's now back into it and has gone faster than me uh like got a world fastest time and all that sort of thing so it's uh exciting um Jack Ayres is his name from, from Great Britain so it's exciting to have that opportunity to race some someone that's really going to push me and um knowing that there's there's that opportunity to fail I think that's that's actually quite a, an interesting feeling and I've never actually thought about it too much, but the opportunity to learn from failure is something that we uh, try and avoid too often, I think. And if we can go there or put ourselves in that environment where there is that opportunity, obviously, without injuring ourselves, um, it, it's more of a chance to grow. And I think that's one of the, the main sort of dangling carrots in front of me. But also, as as you guys know, you know, being successful people look up to you and trying to um continue on with that sort of uh feeling of of leading um being a part of the the sort of the leadership group um within the paralympic team is an amazing opportunity amazing role that you know myself and, and a couple other people from the athletes commission and and the wider paralympic community like you you guys so having that um sort of i think hope that there's there's an opportunity there to sort of step up or, or be a part of the the wider community as we head towards Paris but and beyond as well because there's so much going on in Australia especially uh in southeast Queensland with Brisbane 2032 coming so um there's there's a bit going on oh, mate the way that you've embraced the uh the position within the Paralympic movement has been it's been incredible watch and the the work that you do behind the scenes uh on behalf of the representation of, of yourself in the athlete commission it's 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 always uh 
you know, it's reinvigorating actually to see you get stuck into that as well. Uh, mate, it's, it's, it's one thing to get to become Paralympic champion or even back-to-back champion and you've got a lot of gold medals behind you. Uh, but you've got the potential to go three consecutive Paralympic Games as as a gold medalist. Um, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I got there twice. The third I couldn't time, do it either. The, the third time was like you said. It was the. It almost like it shifted, and you were you were faced with rather than the gold medal. It was the fear of of not getting the gold medal. Um, but the impact when you do see those three in a row gold medals, that's Dawn Fraser territory, you know, that's Louise Savage territory. That's the not just the greatest of a period of time. You're entering into the the rare, rare moments of being the greatest of all time. Has that hit you? It, uh, not really. I haven't really put it down like that. And I think that's the way I approach things. You know, people are like, oh, you know, what what, what next? What Like, what are you doing after pass? I'm like, what the fuck? I don't know. Like, I'm just going to figure that out after I get over this big hurdle. Um, and having the opportunity just to, to wear the green and gold, I think, is something that you, you can't really put it into words. Everyone's got their own feeling about it and, and way to approach it or, or to describe it. But representing something that's um, really amazing, not just the Australian country and, and culture, but the Paralympic movement and, and where we're going and what we've achieved so far is, is pretty, pretty amazing. So to be, you know, considered in, in that sort of group of people that have done so much for sport, for people living with a disability and, and the people that will live with a disability in the future is, um, it's, a, it's an amazing feeling. Um, but yeah, so I just, I don't know, just approach it as, as day to day and, and we'll see what happens on the day. But I remember um, I often get asked, oh, how do you approach a race and things like, how do you feel nervous? Do you feel nervous? And I often don't feel nervous if I've prepared well. And if I know I've prepared well, um, you know, you can leave it all out there and go out and execute the way you know how and um, and just see what happens. But, you know, there's always someone out there that's going to be, or there's always the bigger fish. So there's always going to be someone out there that's going to be faster or stronger or, or, more, or more finesse or whatever. But it's just that's high performance sport and we uh, go there and do our best. So, yeah, that's all I'll try and do. Yeah, uh, good job, by the way, Kurt Fernley, putting the pressure on him for three Paralympic champions <laughs> in a row. Bloody no hell. pressure, I wouldn't, but heaps yeah. of pressure. <laughs> yeah, I think you did that to me in Tokyo too, so hopefully it ends up better for you, okay, Kurt? Curtis, uh, <laughs> look, um, obviously we've talked a lot about Paris and that's sort of the long goal, but obviously we've got this year to get through first. Um, what is on for you this year? What's up next? Yeah, so on Monday we're off to Perth for the national champs, so that'll be good. Um, it's not actually a, an event that um, has any outcome changes for, for myself other than not getting injured. Um, but it's always nice to get over to Perth because it's a really fast course. It's probably the fastest course in Australia just based with that wind that picks up in the Arvo. So uh, it's exciting to feel that speed and everything. But um, leading from that, obviously, we get – another opportunity to race the new guys coming up in the sport which there's some guys there that are growing at a an extreme rate of knots because um they're new to the sport and their improvements just on the up um and then we head over to world cups which is again not really a uh there's no quotas there's no qualifications or anything like that it's just an opportunity to race internationally and it's over in hungary um, and then the next and the biggest event of our calendar is the World Champs, and that's in Germany in Duisburg, um, which is where we uh, compete for the, the quota spots for our country. Um, and, you know, as most people would understand in the Paralympic world, but those that don't look in, um, 
in the usually in the first cycle of qualifications, we don't actually secure our own personal, uh, our own individuals. We saw it, we, we secure quota spots for the country, um, and then we have to race it out uh, next year as we lead forward. So, um, you know, the the goal there is to be up top six. Um, you know, due to my lack of uh, training and everything last year, there will be a little bit of a a little dangling sort of thought in the back of my mind that have I done enough type thing. So um, these next few months are going to be supremely important. Um, and then straight after that, we fly into, well, I don't know if we're flying or driving or training or whatever, um, to Paris. So we get to race on the the Paralympic venue, so in, in Olympic venue. So that's going to be uh, a pretty amazing feeling to to get there and suss it all out and feel you know what it's like and hopefully eat some croissants and crepes. <laughs> you had me at croissants. Um, <laughs> uh, mate, congratulations, you've re-released your book as well, the only book that uh, Riley Batt has ever read, um, <laughs> or, or at least he, he's three-quarters of the way through it, so I won't spoil <laughs> I won't spoil the ending. I told you before the podcast to tell him I read the whole book. I haven't quite finished it yet, Curtis, so I don't know the end result, okay? <laughs> <laughs> mate, I think it's gold is- in Paris, isn't it? That's that's the end result. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, it's, it's, it's a perpetual book. It just keeps growing. Uh, that is uh, blood sweat and steel uh, for all those listeners that are after a good read it's a bloody great read uh, because it's a a brilliant person that's on the other side of that book Uh, Curtis McGrath you're always a favourite here at You Little Ripper good luck for the year ahead good luck for nationals and we can't wait to cheer you on to 2024 and uh, in Paris yeah cheers guys thanks for having me and I can't wait to finish the book Curtis McGrath, what an absolute legend. Talking about legends, uh, there is a seven-strong national paracanoe team that has been announced to compete at the World Cup, and that includes Mark Daniels, Dylan Littlehales, of course, the great Curtis McGrath, Kathleen O'Kelly-Kennedy, Amy Ralph, Ben Sainsbury, and Susan Siepel. Um, There's some big names in that team, and no doubt, big results ahead. Uh, that's it, Riley. We've got to the end of the show. That went so quick, mate. Time flies when you're having fun. And thank you for listening to our podcast. We love Parasport and we want to share how amazing it is with the rest of the world. But we need your help to do that. We do, Kurt. We need you all to tell your friends what we are doing here. And please, please leave us a nice review. Extraordinarily nice reviews. Only nice reviews are allowed. And we'll be back with more interviews with your favourite athletes. So make sure you've followed You Little Ripper wherever you get your next episode. And we'd also like to say a huge thank you to Toyota for supporting this episode of You Little Ripper. Oh, what a feeling. Thanks, Toyota. You Little Ripper.